Letter twenty one of Clarissa Harlow, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Clarissa Harlow, Volume three, by Samuel Richardson. Letter twenty one miss clarissa harlowe to miss howe you may believe my dear miss howe that the circumstances of the noise and outcry within the garden door on monday last gave me no small uneasiness to think that i was in the hands of a man who could by such vile premeditation lay a snare to trick me out of myself as i have so frequently called it whenever he came in my sight the thought of this gave me an indignation that made his presence disgustful to me and the more as i fancied i beheld in his face a triumph which reproached my weakness on that account although perhaps it was only the same vivacity and placidness that generally sit upon his features i was resolved to task him upon this subject the first time i could have patience to enter upon it with him for besides that it piqued me excessively from the nature of the artifice i expected shuffling and evasion if he were guilty that would have incensed me and if not confessedly guilty such unsatisfactory declarations as still would have kept my mind doubtful and uneasy and would upon every new offence that he might give me sharpen my disgust to me i have had the opportunity i waited for and will lay before you the result he was making his court to my good opinion in very polite terms and with great seriousness lamenting that he had lost it declaring that he knew not how he had deserved to do so attributing to me an indifference to him that seemed to his infinite concern hourly to increase and he besought me to let him know my whole mind that he might have an opportunity either to confess his faults and amend them or clear his conduct to my satisfaction and thereby entitle himself to a greater share of my confidence i answered him with quickness then mr lovelace i will tell you one thing with a frankness that is perhaps more suitable to my character than to yours he hoped not he said which gives me a very bad opinion of you as a designing artful man i am all attention madam i never can think tolerably of you while the noise and voice i heard at the garden door which put me into the terror you took so much advantage of remains unaccounted for tell me fairly tell me candidly the whole of that circumstance and of your dealings with that wicked joseph leman and according to your explicitness in this particular 
I shall form a judgment of your future professions. I will, without reserve, my dearest life, said he, tell you the whole, and hope that my sincerity in the relation will atone for anything you may think wrong in the fact. I knew nothing, said he, of this man, this Lehman, and should have scorned a resort to so low a method as bribing the servant of any family to let me into the secrets of that family, if I had not detected him in attempting to corrupt a servant of mine, to inform him of all my motions, of all my supposed intrigues, and in short, of every action of my private life as well as of my circumstances and engagements, and this for motives too obvious to be dwelt upon. My servant told me of his offers, and I ordered him, unknown to the fellow, to let me hear a conversation that was to pass between them. In the midst of it, and just as he had made an offer of money for a particular piece of intelligence, promising more when procured i broke in upon them and by bluster calling for a knife to cut off his ears one of which i took hold of in order to make a present of it as i said to his employers i obliged him to tell me who they were your brother madam and your uncle antony he named it was not difficult when i had given him my pardon on naming them after i had set before him the enormity of the task he had undertaken and the honourableness of my intentions to your dear self to prevail upon him by a larger reward to serve me since at the same time he might preserve the favour of your uncle and brother as i desired to know nothing but what related to myself and to you in order to guard us both against the effects of an ill-will which all his fellow-servants as well as himself as he acknowledged thought undeserved by this means i own to you madam i frequently turned his principles about upon a pivot of my own unknown to themselves and the fellow who is always calling himself a plain man and boasting of his conscience was the easier as i condescended frequently to assure him of my honourable views and as he knew that the use i made of his intelligence in all likelihood prevented fatal mischiefs i was the more pleased with his services as let me acknowledge to you madam they procured to you unknown to yourself a safe and uninterrupted egress which perhaps would not otherwise have been continued to you so long as it was to the garden and the wood-house for he undertook to them to watch all your motions and the more cheerfully for the fellow loves you as it kept off the curiosity of others so my dear it comes out that i myself was obliged to this deep contriver i sat in silent astonishment and thus he went on 
as to the circumstance for which you think so hardly of me i do freely confess that having a suspicion that you would revoke your intention of getting away and in that case apprehending that we should not have the time together that was necessary for that purpose i had ordered him to keep off everybody he could keep off and to be himself within a view of the garden door for i was determined if possible to induce you to adhere to your resolution but pray sir interrupting him how came you to apprehend that i should revoke my intention i had indeed deposited a letter to that purpose but you had it not and how as i had reserved to myself the privilege of a revocation did you know but i might have prevailed upon my friends and so have revoked upon good grounds i will be very ingenuous madam you had made me hope that if you changed your mind you would give me a meeting to apprise me of the reasons for it i went to the loose bricks and i saw the letter there and as i knew your friends were immovably fixed in their schemes i doubted not but the letter was to revoke or suspend your resolution and probably to serve instead of a meeting too i therefore let it lie that if you did revoke you might be under the necessity of meeting me for the sake of the expectation you had given me and as i came prepared i was resolved pardon me madam whatever were your intentions that you should not go back had i taken your letter i must have been determined by the contents of it for the present at least but not having received it and you having reason to think i wanted not resolution in a situation so desperate to make your friends a personal visit i depended upon the interview you had bid me hope for wicked wretch said i it is my grief that i gave you opportunity to take so exact a measure of my weakness but would you have presumed to visit the family had i not met you indeed i would i had some friends in readiness who were to have accompanied me to them and had your father refused to give me audience i would have taken my friends with me to solmes and what did you intend to do to mr solmes not the least hurt had the man been passive and had he not been passive as you call it what would you have done to mr solmes he was loath he said to tell me yet not the least hurt to his person i repeated my question if he must tell me he only proposed to carry off the poor fellow and to hide him for a month or two and this he would have done let what would have been the consequence was ever such a wretch heard of i sighed from the bottom of my heart but bid him proceed from the part i had interrupted him at i ordered the fellow as i told you madam said he to keep within view of the garden door 
and if he found any parley between us and anybody coming before you could retreat undiscovered whose coming might be attended with violent effects he should cry out and this not only in order to save himself from their suspicions of him but to give me warning to make off and if possible to induce you i own it madam to go off with me according to your own appointment and i hope all circumstances considered and the danger i was in of losing you for ever that the acknowledgment of that contrivance or if you had not met me that upon solmes will not procure me your hatred for had they come as i expected as well as you what a despicable wretch had i been could i have left you to the insults of a brother and other of your family whose mercy was cruelty when they had not the pretence with which this detected interview would have furnished them what a wretch said i but if sir taking your own account of this strange matter to be fact anybody were coming how happened it that i saw only that man leman i thought it was he out at the door and at a distance look after us very lucky said he putting his hand first in one pocket then in another i hope i have not thrown it away it is perhaps in the coat i had on yesterday little did i think it would be necessary to be produced but i love to come to a demonstration whenever i can i may be giddy i may be heedless i am indeed but no man as to you madam ever had a sincerer heart he then stepping to the parlour door called his servant to bring him the coat he had on yesterday the servant did and in the pocket rumpled up as a paper he regarded not he pulled out a letter written by that joseph dated monday night in which he begs pardon for crying out so soon says that his fears of being discovered to act on both sides had made him take the rushing of a little dog that always follows him through the filaria hedge for betty's being at hand or some of his masters and that when he found his mistake he opened the door by his own key which the contriving wretch confessed he had furnished him with and inconsiderately ran out in a hurry to have apprised him that his crying out was owing to his fright only and he added that they were upon the hunt for me by the time he returned i shook my head deep 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 said i at the best oh mr lovelace god forgive and reform you but you are i see plainly upon the whole of your own account a very artful a very designing man love my dearest life is ingenious night and day have i racked my stupid brain oh sir thought i not stupid twere well perhaps if it were 
to contrive methods to prevent the sacrifice designed to be made of you and the mischief that must have ensued upon it so little hold in your affections such undeserved antipathy from your friends so much danger of losing you for ever from both causes i have not had for the whole fortnight before last monday half an hour's rest at a time and i own to you madam that i should never have forgiven myself had i omitted any contrivance or forethought that would have prevented your return without me again i blamed myself for meeting him and justly for there were many chances to one that i had not met him and if i had not all his fortnight's contrivances as to me would have come to nothing and perhaps i might nevertheless have escaped solmes yet had he resolved to come to harlow place with his friends and been insulted as he certainly would have been what mischiefs might have followed but his resolutions to run away with and to hide the poor solmes for a month or so oh my dear what a wretch have i let run away with me instead of solmes i asked him if he thought such enormities as these such defiances of the laws of society would have passed unpunished he had the assurance to say with one of his usual gay airs that he should by this means have disappointed his enemies and saved me from a forced marriage he had no pleasure in such desperate pushes solmes he would not have personally hurt he must have fled his country for a time at least and truly if he had been obliged to do so as all his hopes of my favour must have been at an end he would have had a fellow-traveller of his own sex out of our family whom i little thought of was ever such a wretch to be sure he meant my brother and such sir said i in high resentment are the uses you make of your corrupt intelligencer my corrupt intelligencer madam interrupted he he is to this hour your brother's as well as mine by what i have ingenuously told you you may see who began this corruption let me assure you madam that there are many free things which i have been guilty of as reprisals in which i would not have been the aggressor all that i shall further say on this head mr lovelace is this that as this vile double-faced wretch has probably been the cause of great mischief on both sides and still continues as you own his wicked practices i think it would be but just to have my friends apprised what a creature he is whom some of them encourage what you please madam as to that my service as well as your brother's is now almost over for him the fellow has made a good hand of it he does not intend to stay long in his place he is now actually in treaty for an inn which will do his business for life 
I can tell you further, that he makes love to your sister's Betty, and that by my advice. They will be married when he is established. An innkeeper's wife is every man's mistress, and I have a scheme in my head to set some engines at work to make her repent her saucy behavior to you to the last day of her life. What a wicked schemer you are, sir! Who shall avenge upon you the still greater evils which you have been guilty of? I forgive Betty with all my heart. She was not my servant, and, but too probably, in what she did, obeyed the commands of her to whom she owed duty, better than I obeyed those to whom I owed more. No matter for that, the wretch said. To be sure, my dear, he must design to make me afraid of him. The decree has gone out. Betty must smart. Smart, too, by an act of her own choice. He loved, he said, to make bad people their own punishers. Nay, madam, excuse me, but if the fellow, if this Joseph, in your opinion, deserves punishment, mine is a complicated scheme. A man and his wife cannot well suffer separately, and it may come home to him, too. I had no patience with him. I told him so. I see, sir, said I, I see what a man I am with. Your rattle warns me of the snake. And away I flung, leaving him seemingly vexed and in confusion. End of Letter 21